Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everybody, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast and a happy Monday. This is the first uh, episode that I have recorded back at my house for 2023 and I've got to say I felt a little bit strange about doing it, a little bit nervous. I had to go and find the microphone that I'd stuffed in my cupboard in case my house got broken into while I was traveling. (laughs) Oh, it's all good. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Shakuntala and the risk of expecting fairness. Oi, jumping into some mythology and uh, some applied uh, mythology. But before we do that, because it is the first ep that I've recorded since being back at my desk, I've got loads of PSAs. So let's just jump into those. And obviously, you know, you'll skip forward if you can't stand that. But I think you should hang around because they're fun. So I want to welcome some new Patreon supporters. Thanks, Sarah and Cheryl, for joining the Patreon fam bam. I really do value very much uh, your monthly support to making this show. It means I get to spend a little bit more time reading and preparing and getting things nicely organized for you. For everybody who is in Patreon, uh, we have book club tomorrow what's actually film club uh, tomorrow. Um, And we are going to be talking about the Bikram doc on Netflix. Uh, Bikram Yogi Guru Predator uh, was a rewatch for me this morning. And I've just been messaging with one of my yoga friends on Facebook because apparently right near him, there is a yoga studio that still is calling itself a Bikram yoga studio. I'm just mind blown, but you know, so I, um, I saw a post from uh, one of the women on from, who was on my retreat, one of my clients from last year, year before last. But apparently he's teaching in Canada at the moment. I need to do a bit of research on that. So I'm fully prepped for book club uh, tomorrow night. But essentially WTF, uh, that. Um, anyway, we're going to be talking about that doc. And uh, I've had a few people in the Patreon fan bam reach out to say that they're really looking forward to it because it's complicated, right? It's complicated talking about uh, all of these um, situations where people can still be very much in love with a teaching, but not in love uh, with a teacher. What do we do? It's complex. And um, yeah, it's going to be a, a juicy conversation in the behind the Patreon paywall. So it's a fiver, five bucks if you want to come and join us. Um, and other good stuff coming out too this month. Patreon, I've got two bonus episodes coming at you for uh, February podcast episodes about the things that I learnt uh, while I was away, six weeks on the road after having been stuck uh, for quite a number of years thanks to the pandemic. Um, and I'm broken, I've broken them down into the sort of the stuff I learned in the shadows and the stuff I learned in the sun. Uh, so they're coming out probably both of those this week too. And in case you missed it, my, all of my, 
class plans, the full 10-week curriculum for Yoga for Men is also up in Patreon if you want that, Asana by Asana, as well as two bonus episodes breaking down how I sold Yoga for Men. And in fact, I think I've got 23 signed up for that class now uh, that started last week, which is fun. And also how I teach it and some things to be on the lookout for if that is a class that you would like to add to your schedule. All right, next. Um, I haven't got the dates yet, but I will have them next week. So look out because the Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat in Thailand is on for 2024. I, uh, uh, if you've been following me for a while, you'll know that I first went to that retreat center in 2008. It's where I decided to train as a yoga teacher. It's where I taught my first ever yoga retreat. It was where I went on my first ever yoga retreat. It is a dear, dear place to me. Um, and when I was there last month talking with both of the women um, who who founded it and love it and run it about ideas, they are doing some development works. They're building some new facilities. It's going to have uh, a new space to meditate in, which is going to be gorgeous. New kitchen facilities. Very exciting. And uh, so, yeah, look out. Uh, have it in mind. January 2024, I'm going to be back there. And so if you have been putting off coming, you might want to just have have uh, have that in mind to get yourself booked in. It may be the last one. I'm kind of feeling maybe we'll see, but I'm going to do a ridiculously long, super duper early bird plus an extended super long payment plan. So hopefully I'll have that next week for everybody. And then the last thing I want to do before we kick off the the the, the storytelling and the and the business teaching is to just put out a. Um, a shout out for proposals. I am looking to spend my European summer in Europe. So my Castlemaine winter, not in Castlemaine. And part of what I'm looking for is collaboration opportunities with awesome people who are based there, UK, Europe, or would be interested in going there and collabing with me on something. So if you are listening to this and you have a business idea that you and I could collaborate on anything from a half day workshop to a week long retreat, you want me to teach on your teacher training, you want to co-teach a retreat in Spain, whatever, you want me to come to your studio and teach uh, you know, a, a series of five masterclasses over a weekend, whatever. If you are interested in having me, collaborating with me through the summer, in 2023, pitch me, DM me, or send, no, DM me is probably best. Uh, hit me up with your idea, get as specific as you can, um, and uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. I would like to have a working summer during my winter, so hit me up if you've got an idea, put something together. Let's see, and uh, I might be able to string some things together and get myself over there because I've got a lot of people that I need to at least have a chai with. It's been far too long. I don't think I've been to Italy since 2018 and I suspect that that is illegal. Hit me up on Insta, pitch me. What do you got? What should we be doing together? I want to hear about it. Alrighty, so let's uh, transition to talk about the little bit of uh, folklore, the little bit of mythology that I have for you today. We're going to be talking about Shakuntala, who, um, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, is yet another lady from yoga who had it tough. 
But um, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the story and then we'll unpack it. Okay, so who is she? Okay, good question. Right, so um, there was a holy man, a rishi, uh, a, a, a sadika practitioner called Vashvamitra. You might have heard of him. <laughs> you might know some asana named after him. So he was very devout and had a very strong practice, you know, just sort of oozing tapasya, devotion, dedication, commitment, furnace, burning, you know, heat, making the heat. Um, to the point where Indra was actually starting to get concerned because perhaps the the um, the, 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 the the boons, the 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 that that this holy man was generating the the powers that he was generating through all of his efforts maybe could actually get to a point where he would transcend the powers of Indra himself and so Indra was starting to worry could this guy who was yogaring his ass off pose a threat to Indra's reign Indra's role in the pantheon Indra's uh you know rule and so Indra wanted to bring this guy down a peg he wanted to make sure that Vashvamitra was not going to threaten his power and so what in think about this uh say this out loud especially if you're driving in your car in heavy traffic because I want other people to think that you're talking to yourself because hint all good people talk to themselves <laughs> um if you were Indra and you had a holy man who had taken austerity vows and was working his ass off practice like a practitioner, you know, to end all practitioners. If you wanted to take him down, what would you do? Given what you know about, this is a story from the Mahabharata, but whatever from any of these stories, what is the number one weapon you would bring out, you would deploy if you had a very devout holy man that you didn't want to get any holier, what weapon would you deploy? If you said sexy water nymph, you win. Yes. Yes. Menaka, a hot aspara, water nymph. I mean, come on. I've got to tell you, I just, you know, step to the side for a second. There is something very good about skinny dipping, right? Well, my final week in Thailand, I had the very good fortune to stay at my friend's villa. Her and her husband have had this villa for um, Yonkers. And she's a friend of mine. I'll talk more about this in the Patreon bonuses. But she's a friend of mine because the first time I ever went to the retreat center where I have my retreats, she was there on retreat too, and I met her and we've been friends ever since. And she now lives in the UK and I said that I was going to be in Thailand and I had a week to spare. And she said, why don't you go stay at my villa? And I did that. And it was fabulous. And her villa, as well as having a shared lovely swimming pool and fitness center and salas and sun lounges and all the rest of it, also had a small infinity pool off the lounge room that was just for me. So I spent most time I spent time every day uh splashing around by myself and you're in your by yourself in your own pool like you're gonna bother putting a swimsuit on no you're not you're gonna pretend that you're a water nymph and have an absolutely lovely time and I gotta say like there is something to be said for it I can see why those water nymphs 
are so sexy because they probably just feel great. It feels great to skinny dip and loll around in the sun. I did feel a little bit like a sexy water nymph. Now, (laughs) that was a highly embodied, uh, internalized sensation. (laughs) I'm still just me looking sweaty and sunburned in the nude, but you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, I felt quite powerful as a sexy water nymph. So you can imagine... If Indra wanted to take down this holy man so that he wasn't going to threaten Indra's uh, powers and, you know, his, his, his role as the leader, blah, blah, blah. The weapon to deploy, uh, sexy water nymph, Aspara, called Manika. Okay, so Manika comes over to Vashamita where he's practicing and bada bing, bada bang, Jessica Rabbit, here we go. They can't, you know, they can't not. Uh, be together. The passion is surging. He must, uh, he must be with her and to hell with it. He throws away the vows and brahmacharya. What? What is it? Brahmacharya? I don't even know her. Well, he did uh, in quite quick turnaround because all of it, they couldn't, that was the dream weaver moment. And uh Yeah. They had some sexy times and consensual sexy times. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, Monica felt pregnant. No one seems to have, with the exception of very few people who have very serious problems, there's not a whole lot of fertility issues in these stories. You have sex, you're pregnant. That's it. Wham. Except if you're, you know, a bad the bad guy's mum, and then you have to do some weird fire ceremonies, but that's another story or stories. Anyway, Vashvamitra and Monica in the forest, getting it on, having a good time. She gets pregnant. Okay, whatever. They have a kid. It's a girl. And the two of them are like, what? No, thanks. Uh, we like some sexy times in the forest, but uh, we don't like being parents. Vashvamitra goes, oh my God, I forgot. I was supposed to be a holy man. I can't raise a child. I've got special spiritual work to do asshole and uh monica is a liberated water nymph and she's not hanging around to do that (laughs) she needs to go back to do whatever she does so what do they do this is not the teaching moment they leave their kid in the forest good move no bad move very bad move don't abuse your kids anyway they do go back to their lives leave their kid their kid they uh gets um they leave their kid in the forest their daughter uh, who is taken in by birds uh, and and is protected by like uh, the birds come and they put you know they put their wings over her and they protect her from from immediate danger. Soon along comes another holy man who didn't happen to be an asshole and also had an ashram in that forest and. Um, Saw her, saw her underneath these birds, shooed the birds away, saw that there was a a newborn baby there, collected her up and took her back to his ashram to to take care of her. And so she is called Shakuntala because that her name means the one that was protected by birds. Nice. Anyway, so he's a he's he's good to her. She has a nice childhood. Yes, excellent. Uh, getting raised at the ashram at the Hermitage in the forest. Excellent. Um, and you know she becomes a, as you do in these sorts of stories, a beautiful young woman. Uh, one day, fast forward. One day, king, riding through the forest, 
catches sight of this hashtag gorgeous young woman and of course instantly falls in love and now to be clear instantly falling in love in these stories means as my friend would say he got the horn for her (laughs) like I saw someone across a meadow and I was instantly in love no that's something else it's still very powerful and motivating but you don't even know her yet anyway but he that that fell in love and she fell in love with him too because, you know, she was a young woman in the forest and uh, he was a king riding through on a big, powerful horse and, like, she had any point of comparison. Anyway, they fell in love. Air quotes. And he settled in to live in the forest and they continued to fall in love. <laughs> Code. And what do you know? Uh, she also got pregnant and they had a son, but before, um, before the son was, so she got pregnant. Um, so let me hang on, let me wind it back. They fell in love. And because he was a good King, he, she's, he married her because he, you know, he wanted to bed her, but he was a good guy. So he had to marry her in order to do that. Um, and so he did, except here's the thing. Uh, because they lived in the forest and she was of the forest and, you know, had some kind of wacky forest ways, you know, they're out there kind of prepper style, living off what they can grow, whatnot, uh, uh, had their own suite of rituals and whatnot. And so um, they didn't actually have like a witness for their wedding. They didn't have a witness in the traditional sense that the king was accustomed to, like he would have had back at the palace. So, um, Shakuntala said, oh, well, we'll just do it forest style and we can use the trees as our witness. This is how we do it here. It's really legit and normal. Um, and so they did that. They had the forest witness the marriage. Okay, they're married. Now they can get it on legally and feel good about themselves afterwards and all of those things, which they do. She falls pregnant. The king goes back to the palace. Fine. She's bereft because she loved this guy, right? You open up your heart to someone, they tell you they don't like you anymore. It's fucking devastating. She's doing that. She's 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 in devastation and she's pregnant, living in a forest. But her dad, her 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 adopted dad is a great guy and they make the best of it and she has a son and it's actually okay. It's survivable. Um she just misses her husband a lot because he promised her f- a lot and then he walked out on her and, and now she's burdened with, you know, a broken heart and and she has a son who doesn't know who his dad is. And as the son grows up, he gets to an age where he wants to know, who's my dad? And so Shakuntala knows that the she knows that her husband has left her she knows that her husband promised her a whole lot of things that he just did not stick around for um she knows that it's highly unlikely that he's going to take her back but she also knows that she has this son who wants to know his dad and so she and her son travel to the palace leave the forest out into the, you know, the, 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 the urbanized area 
which is highly metaphorical in yoga stories from the forest to the sun, makes this um, makes this big journey with her son and takes him to the king and introduces them. This is your son. This is your son. And, of course, the king ignores her and uh, and 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 denies that this kid is his kid and Shakuntala the story goes on but Shakuntala is now faced with this that that he accuses her of trying to just manipulate him of trying to get his money that that could never be his son that she's trying to deceive him for her own gain and profit you know that she is a, a dharmic person because she's lying and she's cheating and Shakuntala has to stand there in the palace and and take a stand for herself and knowing that she is speaking the truth that they did have these agreed terms um, that that she is being dharmic that despite how it might look to others through their samskaras and their conditioning she thought long and hard about this and she's not there for her own gain in fact it's probably causing her pain but she felt that the right thing to do as a good mother when her son asked who is my dad was to tell him and that's how she chose to do it and now she's standing in front of all of these people being called all sorts of names, being judged, having her integrity criticized when all she did was exactly as the, those two people had committed to each other back in the forest when they fell in love. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this particular part of the Mahabharata and, and Shakuntala um, and, and this particular part of her origin story is because I think that um, we're, I think we are all at some point in our lives to bigger or lesser degrees faced, find ourselves in this same predicament that we've done everything right, that we have a clear agreement with someone else that, Terms were put in place, words were said, letters were exchanged. And yet, regardless of all of that, someone reneges on a deal and you're left standing there being made to look like you're the crazy one, you're the manipulative one, you're the deceitful one, you're the unhinged one, you're the high maintenance one, you're the bitch you're the crazy one, whatever. You've showed up to the palace and you're obviously just trying to, this is just a shakedown, lady. Get the hell out of here. Except you know what happened. You were there when it happened. You were one of the parties that agreed to it. And this is, you know, this is truth. And I've, and I've done the work and I've thought long and hard about it. And I know this is the right thing to do because you agreed with me then. Right, we've all been in this place, and it's a gut punch because I suspect, and I know some of you tantricas, you can message me if you want. You know who you are. You don't need to though, because I already know. But for most of us, when we decide that we're taking this identity of yogini, yogin, yogi, whatever, 
We try and hold ourselves to a certain set of standards. I'm not saying that Patanjali was putting out a societally agreeable moral code. No, fine. That's a whole other podcast. You can get it. It's a bonus in the Patreon back catalogue. But generally, whether it's because we don't want to uh, compound our karma or because we just don't want to be an asshat, generally, we all try and be better people uh, when we take on these these labels of spiritual, yogini, whatever. You know what I mean, right? Like there is something that comes along with that for most of us where we just don't want to be an asshat because we want to try and do better and be better. Not because there's a goal at the end necessarily, but just because it's the dharmic thing to do. It's the righteous thing to do. It's the right way to be. But unfortunately... That's just not a consistent intention. And where this becomes problematic, in where I'm seeing it happen with my clients, certainly where it's happened for me, um, is where I have expected someone who claims to have a certain commitment to doing life in a certain way, I have expected them to show up at a level of fairness of respect, of transparency, honesty, truth, expected them to show up at a level that they just haven't. We had an agreement back in the day. You know that time before I took my clothes off for you and you told me we were married? Well, you told me that that meant all of these things. I was there then. And you can try and davo me now, but I was there then, man. You told me I was your wife, right? And this happens in business. And here's, and, and it will continue to happen in business. It will continue to happen in business because we're all just humans trying to freaking figure it out. And some of us have figured a little bit more out than others, but not very much. And people can just be shitty because of their own karma, right? Because of their own vasana samskara, all the stuff that makes them them and gets them to this point means that even if they liked you or even if they believed what they said back then, they could still treat you like shit now. Not because of anything that you've necessarily done, but because we all come fully loaded with programming that can take over and run the show. What is yoga? Yoga is being aware of the programming so that it doesn't take over and run the show, aka reducing or limiting your karmic load, right? Okay, so now, again, so what reason one why Amy wants to talk about this, I always makes me think of Donald Trump when I talk, when I refer to myself in the third person. Oh, God, it's a bad habit. Why do I want to talk about this? One, because it's going to happen to you, dear one. You can have the clearest contracts. You can have the best deals. You can think because someone has told you who they are, that you know who they are, and they will still fuck you over. It's going to happen. We can all be really well prepared for it, but it's going to happen. And it's okay, and it's survivable, and we can get up, dust ourselves off, and keep going. But the other reason that I want to talk about it today is because... Um, of so much bullshit, this has got a lot of swearing in it, this episode, that I see in the wellness space about deservability. And I want to call it out. I deserve respect. I deserve 
fairness. I deserve to be treated well. I des- Who said anybody deserves anything? I want to really, like, a, really, let's really think about this. When we think we deserve stuff, we're setting ourselves up to have an unmet expectation. I deserve to be treated nicely. I deserve respect. I deserve to not be yelled at. Well, I think what we say, and we see these memes all the time, right? Like I've, I've spent a lot of time alone the past six weeks lying on a sun lounger. I spent a lot of time doom scrolling on Instagram. Did I, was it good for me? No. <laughs> Put the phone down, Amy. Stop looking at that stuff. Not because I'm, I'm not the person who gets into compare and despair. I'm not looking at someone else doing yoga and thinking I'm too whatever, insert your insecurity. My, my problematic behavior from doom scrolling is I get, radically disheartened with yoga just too much bullshit on social media about yoga and this is one category of shit that drives me wild i deserve you deserve to you deserve green drinks you deserve respect you deserve time for self-care who says who says you deserve it who says what governing body goes hey predominantly white, able-bodied, cisgendered lady, you deserve such and such. Well, yeah, you know what? No, you don't. You don't deserve shit. You just don't. What we say, I think, when people post those sorts of memes that when Amy sat on the sun lounge of doom scrolling make her very angry, I think what we're saying is what I would really like is respect. What I would really value is if you treat me nicely. What I would really like to aspire to is a daily green juice or whatever, time for self-care, whatever, whatever the freaking meme says about deservability. But inherently, as someone born, you don't actually deserve anything from a yogic perspective. We like the idea. It's very self-soothing. It's very, it's very you know, sort of self-congratulatory. Hey, girl, you deserve an epic life. Do you? What makes you deserve an epic life over someone who got, I don't know, born in a slum? Don't they deserve an epic life as well? They're not going to get one. They're not going to get one. What's the difference? Nothing. Bias? Privilege? Who knows? I think what we need to, we need to look at this stuff about what we deserve. And when we expect fairness, we're, we're, we're setting ourselves up for adversity suffering dukkha like we don't deserve any of that stuff it's not the way it works i was what did i say i saw someone on uh, australia day so in case you missed it if you don't live in australia (laughs) or if you do live in australia and still missed it what the hell um so we recently had australia day here uh australia day Oh, it's a national gov- it's a national holiday. Uh, a lot of people drink a lot of beers and have friends over and do all of that stuff. It's the day where white people invaded and stole this country and we have done shit all white people to reconcile that and uh, you know mend that horrendous thing that continues to ripple out that stone continues to ripple out sizable significant influential ripples to this day. Um so uh, there was, you know, people posting things, um, around, around that stuff on the day. Um, 
and I, I read one, uh, I was reading someone's post and she said how she used the phrase that she'd won the lotto. She'd won the lotto being born in Australia, being, you know, in all of the privilege, same as me, I won the same lotto, you know, all the things that make life easier for me. Um, I got a few of the not easier, but most I've got most of the easier in all of the ways that that can be sliced and diced, right? I don't deserve anything. I was lucky as hell. Lucky as hell to have a body that just is resilient, gets me around, does what I want it to do. Lucky as hell. Lucky as hell to be white. Lucky as hell to be born into a family that paid for me to get some pretty fucking good education. Like loads of, I'm sis, I'm sis. Lucky as hell. Um, not because it's unlucky to be trans, but just, you know, one less level of adversity to deal with and all of that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fat person. I mean, in this country, if you're fat, the anti-fat bias in Australia is, I mean, uh, shameful, shameful, like all of it. Lucky. So lucky. I don't deserve anything. I would like certain conditions. I would like to be treated nicely. I would like to work with people in business who adhere to the terms and conditions. I would like uh, my accountant to provide me with, you know, a a service that means I'm not going to get historical debt (laughs) bills. Guess what? I don't deserve it. It happened. I think the teaching of Shakuntala is really powerful because she did everything right. She was a good girl. She was a good daughter. She didn't just go have an affair with this, this king and bring shame on her family. She, they got married. They got married according to the custom of her land. She, she was deserted. She still uh, showed up and was a good mum to her son. She did everything right. And we could say, well, she deserved to be made the queen of the... Or she deserved to have a husband that took care of her. No, she didn't. We want that for her. She probably wanted that for her. But expecting to be treated fairly is a risk. It is a risk to expect to be treated fairly. Can it be an intention? Yes. But can we rely on it happening? No. And should we feel put out... I deserve better than this, do you? Maybe this is just what you have. Not in, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying um, you don't deserve anything in that sense that that, that you've somehow done something wrong or or um, there's some kind of moral punishment awaiting you simply from being a bad person or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, like, it, whatever happens is what happens, and we get to deal with it as it happens. Can we influence it through our own conduct? Yes. But do we inherently deserve some kind of positive outcome? No. I, um, I got some, uh, well, I'll wind it up shortly, but I just, as another uh, diversion, I don't know, hopefully you also, like me, are a super fan of If Books Could Kill, the podcast. And I was beside myself with excitement when they did The Secret, right? Because obviously The Secret is, um, and, you know, Magical thinking and all of the toxic shit that happens in the in the yoga wellness kind of crossover. Uh, I uh, hey, I got it in my back catalogue. I did a lot of abundance talk <laughs> before I figured out that that was bullshit. Um, I was really hoping that they would go go exceptionally go to town 
on the secret and all of this, you deserve this and that, but they didn't because they're not as embedded in this world as we are. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. If these books, if books could kill the episode on Rhonda Burns, the secret, but it's that same thing, right? Like if we all deserve everything, then it, it, like it doesn't actually cosmically make sense. I deserve a mansion. I deserve a six figure income. I deserve the person of my dreams. I deserve a Mercedes Benz. Okay. Except well, conceivably so does everybody else. And you can't have 8 billion Mercedes McMansion dream partner combo deals. It doesn't fit. What makes me more deserving than anybody else? Nothing. Therefore, you know, I'm equally non-deserving, deserving as anybody else. So what? So what, Amy? You've raved on about that for half an hour and I'm getting bored. You've made your point. Move on. Okay. One. I ha- I've been in business in yoga land long enough to know that many more people will call themselves spiritual or practitioners or yoginis or whatever than actually conduct themselves as such. And when I mean that, I'm not saying they strictly adhere to the yamas and niyamas. What I am saying is they're not assholes. If you're listening to this podcast, if you've been following me for any period of time, there is a strong correlation with people who want to be good people and people who listen to my content. Chances are you're in that crossover of the Venn diagram. But please know that you are not in the majority. You are not in the majority. When you are going into contractual agreements with other people, whether it's a king you met in the forest or the person you're renting a retreat center from, or the person who's running your Facebook ads for you, or the virtual assistant who's going to do your social media, or the person who's going to come teach the philosophy at your yoga teacher training, or the manufacturer who's shipping you your new yoga mats, or any of it, I lovingly invite you to go into all of those contractual negotiations, not expecting fairness, respect, transparency, um, honesty, truth. Just don't expect it. Desire it, seek it out, look for partners who you believe can give it to you, but don't run the risk of expecting it. Rather, prepare yourself, be more resilient, build uh, infrastructure around you such that if something doesn't work out as you want it to, you're going to be okay. Shakuntala married this guy. She was ready for it. She was going to do the forever with him. That's what she wanted. She, she, her heart broke when he left her. When he, when he shunned her, she was bereft. And, and that happened despite, here's the piece of paper, dude. Like, you know, the trees were there. They saw it. You promised me. You promised me you would never leave me. You promised me you would love me forever. You promised me you would love me in this time, lifetime and the next. And now you're saying you never want to hear from me again? Like, we had a deal, dude. Bereft. Bereft. Shakuntala bereft. Her poor dad, who never thought he was going to be a parent because he was a rishi in a hermitage in the forest, is now got this broken-hearted young woman who's pregnant that he's caring for. So she hoped, she desired exactly what those two parties came together and agreed on. 
what she got was not that. It was the opposite of that. And she still rallied. She still drew on her inner reserves. She still raised that son. And despite putting her own reputation at risk and being publicly accused of being a dharmic, she still did what she thought a righteous mother should do. And she introduced her son to his father, despite the impact and the potential detriment to her own character. Know that you, we must all seek out the best business partnerships and arrangements that we can. We should always do our due diligence. We should always have the paperwork and the contracts and all of it in place. Hint, maybe don't get trees to witness your legal documentation in place to protect us and know that you can't expect to be treated well even if you have all of that stuff in place you can't expect fairness even though you thought you had it mapped out this happened to me last year financially like I thought I you know no you you thought you were going to be treated well but here's your bill and now you've got to pay it and you've got to go find that extra amount of money that your financial professional told you you didn't have to find two years ago. It happens. And if I expect to be treated fairly, if I expect to be treated with respect, if I expect, um, then I'm going to be crushed even more. Rather, I get to be more nimble and like Shakuntala, okay, thanks for the shit sandwich. I guess I'm going to figure out a way to eat it. I don't want it, but now that I got it, I'm going to figure out the best way to eat it, right? Okay, so that's that part. But then so what in terms of, because it can feel kind of, um, you know, it's not, it's not a very sort of super positive message, right? To be told you should never expect to be treated well. <laughs> Even though if you unpick that statement, it's accurate. But, it, you know, it makes us all feel a little bit meh about the world. So what? So how do we influence that in the positive direction? Here's, here's what we do. We show up how we want to be treated. All the time. All the time. Not just when we've come out of Shavasana, not just when our hormone cycles have us feeling happy, not just when we've got a tummy full of food, all the time. We treat people how we want to be treated all the time, even when we're cross, even when we're tired, even when we're frustrated, even when we've had a bad day, even when our own hearts are breaking. We still treat everyone not just our friends, not just our family, but people we don't know and may never see again, everyone, how we want to be treated. And that is how I don't think we can legitimately influence the deservability of any of these things, but perhaps we can, perhaps we can influence the availability of these things because wouldn't it be great if everyone actually was treated with respect? Wouldn't it be amazing if actually everybody did experience fairness and transparency and honesty and truth. We might not deserve it, but wouldn't it be lovely if we could all receive it? Shakuntala, her son, in case you hadn't figured it out yet, her son uh, that she had in the hermitage in the forest was Bharat. 
the the great ruler who the, who founded the the dynasty, the Mahabharata. The book is named after him. So if it wasn't for her having a funny tree witnessed wedding in a forest, uh, the Mahabharata would not exist, and we wouldn't have the Bhagavad Gita, and we probably wouldn't be talking to each other right now. So thanks, Shakuntala. I'm sorry that your marriage went to hell. Actually, it turned out all right, but I'll save that for another episode. He remembered. He took her in. I don't know if I would, but that's another story. It all worked out okay in the end. Shukuntala, thanks for reminding us about the risk of expecting fairness and how we can hope to have more fairness for more people simply by being fair ourselves. Till next week, everybody. See you, Patreon. See you tomorrow for Book Club. All right, folks. Take care. Bye. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.